This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining us. If you remember the writer strikes of 2008, Hollywood was at a standstill for almost 100 days. Could we be headed towards the same scenario one more time? As the Writers Guild of America and studios negotiate, Hollywood prepares for a possible strike. We are going to break down what's at stake. I am so thrilled to have with me Tom O'Brien, who covers film and is a member of the WGA himself. Welcome, Tom. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Christina. It's good to see you again. This is something that's going to impact um, film and television, possibly for the next few years. So it's it's really important that this important issue gets resolved now. So we are talking on Thursday, March 23rd. So things could change. Where we are now is that unions representing more than 11,000 television and movie writers and the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers on behalf of Hollywood's nine largest studios began talks this past Monday. This is for a new three-year contract. And from what we're hearing, things are pretty tense. So, Tom, there's been a lot of changes in TV and film, the TV and film landscape the past few years that's really affected writers. The streaming um, world in terms of royalty, sort of decline in film production. What is the situation like for writers today and what are the unions asking for in this in these negotiations? Well, right now, the uh, the last negotiations uh, that the writers had with the studios was pre-COVID. And when COVID hit and streamers began to be the necessary go-to source of entertainment for a lot of people, um, they've only grown uh, in importance and in part in becoming a part of everyone's life. So right now, the writers and the studios don't have a contract that really reflects the current state of streaming. And I know you cited the 2008 strike um, that was lasted for 100 days, but this one seems much more dug in on each side. And it most resembles, for me at least, the 1988 strike, which of which I was a part of. I was a strike captain, my gosh, I was manning the picket lines and everything. But that was over a similar threat, which was the rise at that time of cable TV. Uh, because until that time, it was just broadcast networks, you know, the four big networks. And uh, that was that was the landscape. And then once cable came in and many shows began to be produced using writers, there were no real structures as to how they would get compensation. The similar situation about this one. Uh, that, last, that last strike lasted five months. If... If the strike happens this time, that could go as long as five months, if not longer, uh, because other parts of the landscape have changed, both for writers and for the studios. But what are we talking about? Like when we talk about royalties and residuals at the streamers? Well, right now, uh, the lifeline that a lot of writers had uh, in previous years uh, was if you wrote a script for a series and that series went into syndication, 
you could get a residual every time it played everywhere. And if you wrote a lot of them, that was basically what you would live on, especially when you become older and probably less productive as a writer, less desirable as a writer. Um, that was that was your pension, basically. And it gave you, the writer, a sense of security for the rest of your life. Syndication is now gone. Unless you're friends or the Big Bang Theory, there's no real syndication market anymore. Uh, and also... The, num the the structure of um, seasons have now changed. Uh, it used to be, until recently, as often, many as 22 episodes in a season. Now, shows are only down to about 8 or 12 episodes, maybe. And that means fewer writers use, staffs are smaller, and uh, shows don't have the room to bring on freelance writers, young writers, that uh, you give a chance to be able to get credits for. That's how I got into the industry. Right. Uh, and there's something called what... mini rooms too. Um, yes. That, that they're yeah. even smaller. They're taking in less people. It's it, it, it's very, it, it, the changes are, have been so great over the last three years that that's what this is about because the current contract really doesn't reflect that. And uh, it, it's, it's in, in a way, it's like the Wild West now uh, because things are changing so quickly well what writers want to do is to be able to get out ahead of it and try and anticipate some of the changes so that the compensation that they're getting can be considered fair uh, writers have always been kind of considered the least glamorous of the production elements in terms of compensation um, the actors and directors tend to get more glamorous uh, notice and um, higher residuals. We were always kind of the stepchildren of the group. And that hasn't changed. And there's a great fear among writers now that the uncertainty on compensation for shows on streaming, which people can watch all the time, anytime, uh, as opposed to syndication, which you would have to see it when it was on the air, um, has uh, changed so much that there's a belief among, at, the, at the WGA that writers are, studios are using that new world to um, devalue writers' work. And this is something that we really do need to con confront and talk about. Um, and that's, that's largely what's going on. Um, starting this week, the negotiations began this past Monday and will continue on uh, until the contract is up on May 1st. Is there any reason for streamers to budge? Well, some are more profitable than others. And others, although I think there's some struggling streamers that will eventually become profitable, um, right now they're not. But they are hold, the studios are holding firm together uh, because they, they see... Uh, negotiating tough with the Writers Guild as being, of course, in their best interest. Now, this this time we have a couple of big players who are included in the studios, uh, studios like Amazon and Apple, whose primary economic goal is not necessarily solely entertainment. So they may have a little bit more wiggle room, a little more flexibility, 
uh, than those like uh, Universal or Disney or uh, any of the other big ones that um, will um, try and hold firm because this is their sole source of revenue. And I've been reading that producers, they are... Hey friends, this is Jim Knight, former 21-year Hard Rock executive turned best-selling author and top 10 keynote speaker. And I'm Brant Menzoir, former frontman of Hollywood's most dangerous band turned top 10 motivational speaker and best-selling author. We host the how-to podcast, Thoughts That Rock, where we talk to rock stars, athletes, CEOs, astronauts, and even next-door neighbors who share their expertise and opinions. Together, we tackle the most interesting and challenging topics of today. Whether you want to learn how to become more confident, how to deal with anxiety at work, or how to write a hit song, or use Brazilian jiu-jitsu in life, we've got hundreds of episodes to help amp up your life and move you forward. Subscribe to Thoughts That Rock wherever you listen to podcasts, and check out evergreenpodcast.com for more information. Everyone is sort of preparing for a possible strike, and 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 it seems that the writers and the WJ are are willing to consider it. And producers have begun to stockpile scripts. They've been asking writers to complete them ahead of time. They don't have to produce as much. Um, do you see that as a indicator that it may well be? It may yes, and I think it's probably wise on their part to do that. The downside is that sometimes, especially on the film side, if they're rushing to get scripts in place to start production before the strike happens, uh, then you have half-assed scripts. And I think we've all sat through uh, films that the, the, the movie is half-baked, hasn't really been thought through, and very often those films are a result of being produced shortly after a, a strike by one of the guilds. Uh, right now, uh, I think the effect on audiences is going to be staggering, uh, staggered, I should say. Um, the first, if there is a strike and all signs indicate now that there probably will be because both sides are so entrenched, uh, the first kinds of shows to get impacted will probably be the topical late night shows and shows like Saturday Night Live, which have to be written that week. If production is shut down, Saturday Night Live season will automatically end and the late night talk shows will have to restructure so that they're not dependent on monologue jokes. Um, as far as uh, regular series go, uh, most series are done mm -hmm. for this particular season. Scripts are written and even if they haven't been completely finished yet. Um, this so, will affect maybe 2025 that new things won't be coming. Yeah, in the pipeline. yes, the, it'll be the upcoming season, actually, uh, 2024. Um, right now, uh, pre-production will be very much hampered. Storylines, we can't talk about those yet because those are those who involve your writers. The effect for films, though, will be uh, not probably not that impactful right away. Most 2023 releases will likely have their scripts done. It will probably be seen when during the 19, uh, 2024 season when uh, that's when production will be delayed and there'll be fewer films coming down the pipeline at a time when uh, theaters desperately need films. 
Yeah, and it affects so many because it's all the other people, of course, if production stops on different things, all the other areas of people working in Hollywood who are, of course, very affected by something like this. So many outside businesses, many of which are now trying to get back on their feet after COVID, if production stops, they're, they're going to have a huge economic impact on them. And they may not be able to survive. And there is that, to use a crash term, collateral damage that happens during production strikes that will have an unfortunately large economic impact in uh, places where production is uh, taking place. And uh, unfortunately, that can't be helped. But So that is a driving force to try and get a resolution done. Um, now, there may be leaks here and there. These negotiations are, of course, secret. Um, but I would, I would kind of warn, take a lot of these leaks with a grain of salt. They may be coming from the studios and filters of the trades. Who knows? But nonetheless, it's going to be a very tough time. And uh, I'm, I'm girded for a very long strike, unfortunately. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, it's, this, this is really too important to too many writers and their families to be able to be properly compensated in this brave new world. And it's a tough, tough issue to fight about, but it's one that really needs um, settling right now. So is it May 1st that the strike would start? Is that... When the contract yeah, is yeah. up, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Now the writers will will have to vote whether they want to strike or not, and that is not that is not um, a vote that necessarily is uh, going to call for a strike. For example, in two thousand seventeen, there was a strike vote during that negotiation, but there was a last minute deal, and that could happen here. But the issues back in two thousand seventeen were not as causing the parties to be so far apart as they are now. So uh, I doubt that that would happen. I would say probably first week of April would be the earliest that uh, WGA would ask for a vote just to get a, a feel Feeling. for how the members feel. Um, I think the writers are pretty united right now um, because this is a issue that really affects them very deeply and, and you know and, and the families for the future um so if they vote to strike it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen negotiations will continue all the way up to the first but if the contract lapses and we don't have a new contract then a strike will be needed well thomas so you're saying that you you really feel that there probably will be a strike You've been around a while. You're a former TV writer. You're now covering film. You, as you mentioned yourself, you've been part of the strikes. How do you think this could resolve? Well, we have both the studios and the WGA have new teams of negotiators here. And it's interesting. For the first time, the leaders, lead negotiators of both sides are women. And Women can be as pig-headed as men, <laughs> but but they may be approaching this in a different way, which I am very, very hopeful for. Because on both sides, both lead negotiators have spoken to the press, and both women have talked about their desire to be able to find a resolution to this. So if I was a betting man, I'd say that probably will be a strike. But there is a glimmer of hope here that the individuals involved can hammer something out. 
and what could they hammer out? What sort of resolutions will the writers feel compensate this new landscape? Well, it's it's not just a raise, but they want to be. That's important, of course. Um, as production grew over the last decade uh, in Hollywood, and the average compensation for a writer over the last ten years has dropped four percent. You know, and with rising cost of living costs, this is just not acceptable for uh, writers who want to be able to continue to work and produce good product. And that makes audiences and studios happy. Um, I think we just need to get some sort of template together that people can count on who are writing shows for streaming or whose shows are being shown on streamers that will adequately uh, uh, compensate them for the work that they've put in. Because the work hasn't changed. The work is as demanding, if not more so, than ever. And the compensation is going down. And that, I think right now, is the, what both sides, I think, want is, a, is an end to the uncertainty that a lack of a structure of compensating artists who work on streaming shows um, have right now. So I think both the goal is wanting to get that structure in place. And once that both sides are happy, I think smaller things can be worked out down the line and that's a way that it can avoid the strike. But if that is a big ask to be able to put together a structure like that in yeah. five weeks. So we'll see. But before I let you go, I have to ask you, one of the things that's come up is AI how to deal with AI and writers. Um, what have you heard about that? Uh, I'm really glad the subject has come up because that is that is something that is going to be, uh, I think, road to be an even bigger issue in the years to come. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, and I'm not an expert on this one, um, AI is will be allowed as part of research that a writer does for his or her product. So going into writing a script, AI is okay to use, but nothing in the script can be AI that would be part of the compensation. Mm -hmm. I believe that is the issue on that. Uh, but I'm very happy that uh, the Guild and the studios are tackling this because I Before think Before it's a overwhelming, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think this can become a bigger issue before the next negotiations um, in 2026. Let's get it resolved now if we can. Um, the template structure for the streamers is the more important thing. But if they can get AI out of the way, that would be a that would be a huge boom and probably uh, lead to a less contentious negotiation three years from now. Tom, thank you so much. It's going to be exciting and a bit scary to follow what happens, um, but uh, we'll be following it closely. Please tell my listeners where they can read you and find you. Uh, I am uh, on a, a contributing writer on Gold Derby. My main home is a, a critic and podcaster at Next Best Picture. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Thomas E. O'Brien. And you can read my reviews on Instagram at Tom O'Brien on Movies. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll talk again. Looking forward to it, Christina. Take care. Hi there. I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, 
that's a hard no about saying no and setting boundaries so you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor, so while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardnopodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no.